0: Welcome to the Scuffed Podcast. I'm Adam Bells in Minneapolis. With me is Greg Velasquez in Des Moines. We talk about U.S. men's soccer. Our guest today is Todd Saldana the Academy Director for Los Angeles Football Club, a former U.S. Soccer Federation Technical Advisor for the Southwest Region, and a former scout for Jurgen Klinsmann and the U.S. Men's National Team. LAFC's Academy is new and has become an instant contender in the development academy. The oldest team, now competing at the U-17 level, had the most wins of any U-15 team in the country last year, and LAFC had several players called into youth national teams, including three of the 18 players at the U-15 CONCACAF championship late this summer. So I'm excited to hear what they're doing. Todd, welcome to the podcast.
1: Adam, thanks. Thanks very much. No, we're, uh, Hearing you read all that is uh, a nice little reunion to what we've done over the last little bit. But no, thanks for having us. We're super excited about what's, what's going on at LAFC.
0: Yeah, I'm super excited to have you. So first question, I think I read that the Academy coaches at LAFC are involved in scouting new signings for the first team, and you personally helped look at Diego Rossi. Is that right? Can you talk about it?
1: That, yeah, no, that's, that's true. It's uh, you know, very beginning stages, too, of, of developing the first team. I mean, we were we were the academy staff and the academy had already begun so we were the guys in the office with John Thorrington and uh you know we were fortunate we had pretty international staff also so there were guys that have experiences in different places and so uh John had asked us to help out uh with the scouting where we could so most of it was was done through Y scout and just resources and people you know contacts we knew but yeah it was a it was an honor for them to ask us and obviously it's part of Sort of the fabric of the club. It's why you feel so connected. Is you know we're academy people, but yet we are helping with the first team. So that uh, kind of gave us all a great feeling to get to be involved in that. So yeah, it's true. And you know I can't take lots of credit, but it was exciting to be able to to scout Diego Rossi and you know watch a lot of video and and, uh, and contact people about him uh, and compare him to a couple of other players, sort of similar, mm-hmm. and come up with a report that they ended up using.
0: So how does the scouting work inform the work you do with the academy players? Does it?
1: Yeah. Or, I mean, it really intentionally put together a, a, a group to, to help us with the scouting and also create a program for our scouting. So, you know, knowing, you know, we're, we got to hit the ground running, you know, we put together a group of five scouts, um, sort of by the districts and regions in in Southern California. Uh, we we ran a couple of events that were strictly for unaffiliated soccer groups and met with about ninety unaffiliated youth uh, league presidents and, uh, mm-hmm. and obviously we knew we we had the the development academy and a couple of the traditional leagues here to look at but no we really hit the ground scouting quickly um, obviously my work as a TA gave us a head start too so but yeah that's a a weekly process weekly meetings assignments every week to make sure we're we're getting out there and seeing as much as we can.
0: Well, since you kind of mentioned it, let me jump ahead and ask you about the, the LAFC Invitational. I think that's what you're referring to, right? With the unaffiliated? Correct. So how does that tournament work and, and what's the point of it and what have been the results?
1: Well, the the reason that we ended up doing that event and, you know, sort of being really connected to a lot of the, the unaffiliated leagues is because we you know, we, we made an effort to call in all the presidents and our, the first offices we were in, you know, we, we invited 30 in a night. We had about three nights of 30 presidents and asking them what would, what would they like to see from us and and kind of tell us the pitfalls of, of the scouting of their leagues before, and in what ways could we do it differently? And so, you know, we, you know, after listening to them, you know, they, they wanted to be involved in events. They like to compete, you know, they want to show what they have, but, they want to do it in a way that they're they know why they're doing it they were there to show off their talent um and they knew that we'd be scouting and they knew that we'd be asking them you know to see some of their players there'd be no secrets no surprises our scouts are there um and so we ran an event at bell gardens um the soccer complex there which is another one that a lot of the unaffiliated leagues are very familiar with and um you know, it was basically listening to them. What would they like to see from us? And, um, you know, the idea came through that collaboration with the presidents to do an event. So we're, we haven't done uh, a lot of them. We've done a lot of small, smaller events since, but we're, we're kind of ramping up again to do something bigger uh, that includes them again, because it went so well.
0: Yeah. I mean, th- one w- wasn't one of the players you found in that uh, invitational Antonio Leon?
1: It's um, he, no, he actually wasn't playing in that. Um, okay. but there was another one, Kevin Jimenez. We have a few, a few other boys, uh, in the Academy that came through that. Some younger ones as well. Some very talented younger players too, that were just, you know, off to the beginning, but we were able to bring them into the Academy pretty quickly. And, uh, one of them's names, Amir Ponciano, um, who was another one of the, you know, he's one of our 2007 players, but he was playing in that as well. So, no, there, there was a lot and it gave us a lot of guys to also track uh, and, you know, really gave us all of the coaches and the presidents of the leagues as a really great resource now that we can call or they'll call us with a player that they, they have that they'd like us to look at. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. Um, yeah. How much are you trying to align the youth team playing styles with the style of the first team under Bob Bradley?
1: It's evolved now even closer. It, when we first started, obviously we didn't Bob hadn't even been hired yet. So a lot of the the, the thoughts behind how we wanted to play had to do with myself and, and John Thorrington sitting down, you know, on the marker board and, and him you know having his thoughts and ideas on what he thought the first team might look like and, and also just my my experience and as well and what might work really well in Southern California, obviously the style of players we have here and um and then once you know Bob got into his first and second seasons, uh, myself and uh, our director of coaching Enrique Duran sit in all the meetings down in the mornings, and really get a first-hand you know view of of what they're doing every day at training, on top of watching training regularly and watching the first team play. Um, we've now got a clear vision of what, you know, what will fit into our team. So Mm -hmm. it's evolving slowly into closer look of what uh, Bob and our LFC team looks like. But, you know, we still, I think, are uh, had a plan going in and it's it's not far off from what Bob had planned also. So it's really not been that difficult to to take it a little further step towards their play.
0: What's your like 30 word or 50 word explanation of that plan? Like what's the style that you guys are trying to get, get the boys plan?
1: Well, I mean, it's, it's very, I mean, I think again, now you watch our first game, you watch our teams. It's like, you know, very possession based soccer mm-hmm. team for sure. And uh, very proactive defensive team also that wants to be in their half, win the ball early. Um, but, you know, play methodically, possess the ball, pick the right moments to go forward. Uh, Obviously not necessarily very direct style of play, but, you know, we're at the academy still teaching, you know, some variety because, because also we think it's important, you know, we also want guys that are ready to play into a a national team if possible, you know, they need to be able to play our style, but I think also they need to be able to adapt and be ready to play if they get called upon. I mean, we're really trying to, you know, get our our academy players in any national team that they might be eligible for. So, you know, it could be El Salvador, it could be the U.S., it could be Mexico. So, uh, you know, we, they need to be able to adapt. But clearly, they get to see our first team play every week, and they get to hear the principles of of that style. Okay.
0: When do you? Well, how how involved is Bob in the academy? Is he is he around much, or is he paying
1: much well, we, attention? the beauty of our setup at LAC is that we are right in the same room with the first team staff and, and Bob, you know, so far for me is a guy that's in the out in the, in the open air with the rest of us and talking the game and talking to his staff and having meetings with his staff. But also, like I said, you have Enrique Duran and myself in the morning meetings when they're going over training, going over the players, uh, upcoming matches, post game, You know, so we're, I mean, they've invited us in to everything they're doing. So I look at that as Bob's impact is allowing us to see firsthand everything that he's doing. There's, you know, we talk on the side at times. Um, You know, he's from the beginning would come into some of our meetings and listen and add some things. And But I think all of our staff would feel like they would say the same thing. They feel like they know him. They see him Mm -hmm. in the office, talk to him. They hear him. Uh, it's a very open door. The, the practices are right below our, our our offices. We stand in on the, the balcony and watch and listen to him. It's just I think it's just been all access is the reason why it's worked so well and how we feel connected to the first team. But Bob has been really, you know, he's been really gracious in opening the doors to us in that way. There's no really closed door meetings. We see all the emotions, we see everything that goes along with it. So I think just all access has been the reason why it's gone so well. But uh, you know, any of us, I feel like you walk up to him and ask him a question or talk to him. Cause he's, he's right there, you know, standing in front of us most days in the office and down below when he's training. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, I'm sure you get this question a lot and maybe it's annoying to you, but uh, when do you hope to get your first Academy player, a first team debut? Is there a, like a target year in mind?
1: Well, I mean, it's, it's again, I think it's, it's hard to peg exactly when a player is going to be ready. I think we have guys that have, shown that they're capable and uh I think now that we're playing U17 but also you know keep in mind our U17 is almost entirely a year young so we're talking about you know mostly 15 year olds right now so the oldest player we have is 15 which you know depending on needs and position and things like that it's not easy to step into first team like you you mentioned Tony Leone who's one of our very top players playing with the youth national teams it's not easy to put a defender in uh, an MLS match, I think, versus being able to throw in an attacking player at times or even an outside back at times. A center back is not an easy one to put in. But I I would say we're certainly getting closer. uh, And we have, you know, three to five of our academy players that are 15 getting somewhat regular training with the first team now. So for me, it's important to familiarize you know, Bob and Mike Sorber and, and let John Thorrington see our guys compete in training to begin with. So they're getting familiar too. And now they're getting to show what they can do. And and I think in time, you know, the choice is going to be to, to choose one, to sign a contract, and then it'll be time to give them opportunity to play. I think, I think in what you've seen so far, there's a good connection there. Um, but it's a very high level of play, a very also, I look at the way our team plays. It's you need to be technically very good. You need to be very intelligent. And, you know, a 15-year-old doesn't always quite have that experience to step into a team like that. It may take a little bit more time, but right, we're getting, we're getting closer, and I think the quality is there. Like, I, I'd, I'd venture to say some of them, in, and this is no insult to other MLS teams, but I think our market is so strong that they would probably already have signed up you of these guys.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Los Angeles is where it's at. I think it's pretty clear. Yeah. Or, or maybe yeah. or Texas or Texas. Um, yeah. well, so on, on Tony, you know, I think a lot of people in my little world are aware of him cause there's not, it's not very often you have a gigantic 15 year old center back who, <laughs> who looks, who looks really good. Um, you know, like yeah. u 17 teams at the national level often struggle to find a, a pure center back. So can you give us a little scouting report on him?
1: Yeah, he, um, I think, like I said, the sort of X factor for me with Tony is that, you know, the mentality is so strong too. I mean, he trains hard, he's competitive, he's, uh, you know, he wants to learn, he listens, he's, you know, he's got a lot of positive things outside of what you just mentioned. I think, you know, listen, he's a, you know, I'm, you're also a little concerned when a kid is that big, young, and you, you know, you you concern yourself with, okay, what's his, What's his height going to be you know when he's seventeen, and you know trying to predict that, but also with the parent the dad is tall the uncles are tall, very likely he's going to be you know at least six two six three, but you know you have a guy that's very athletic he uh he he can pass the ball, which also I think is going to align with what we're doing um you know like I said, he's very competitive and and now he's getting the experience you know, so I mean all the things he's done with us he's he's training with our first team now. Some of the weeks, some of the days of the week, um, you know, the national team travels, being able to go overseas and then doing stuff with the U.S. here like the CONCACAF event that he had. But, you know, there's not he's just he's just gaining experience. now. I think in terms of talent, it's clear he's on track to be a professional. Um, you know, he's the top center back in his age group in our country. So that tells you something there is. Right. Without saying too much interest outside of the country in him uh already people are tracking him, and along with like what we're doing with him, uh I think you know you have a guy that is on track to to play professional soccer, hopefully with the national teams for a long time um you know to me, it's just about gaining more experience for him i think the the talent is there
0: mm-hmm. what do you do what do you do with a player like that you know consi- like considering what you said earlier? It's really difficult for a young center back to step into a, a a professional soccer team, particularly, you know, the best team in the league right now. Um, right. How What's going to happen with him when he's, you know, two years from now when he's 17? He's still probably not going to be ready for LAFC's first team. You wouldn't think, maybe, but what's what's the path going to look like?
1: Well, and that's, again, you know, I think... There may be a chance in two years by the time he's seventeen for me that's that's a lot of time in youth development, so you know we're already like i said okay. he's, spending, he's spending time with the first team. he's having time with some of the coaching staff from the first team. We're showing him you know we we have a you know individual development plan for Tony, so you know outside of what he does on the regular basis with the academy, we also have our own plan for him, which includes you know extra work on the ball video. You know, some strength and conditioning, things that we think they're going to help develop him, but, you know, have him watching first team video and less breaking down video that he can see and learn from, you know, Eddie Segura, Walker Zimmerman, guys that are playing in our first team, and, you know, pushing him to watch as much top level soccer as possible. And again, having him spend time now with professionals. And, you know, I said it to our, you know, to our staff in Tony's first training session there. It was almost a perfect day. You know, it's like he, he won a couple tackles, he got beat real bad. He missed a pass or two. He made a couple amazing passes. Mm. And for that to start leveling out where he's having more success with that experience against that level player. I mean, you know, the fact that he's already playing internationally, all of these things add up to a guy that's going to have the experience. And he's getting the attention from our staff in terms of his individual plan as well. So I, you know, you figure he's going to have quite a few more international trips with the national teams over the next two years. He's a player that's in a, a youth World Cup year. So he's going to get an opportunity likely to play in a youth World Cup. Right. Uh, And these things, to me, add up to the experience he needs to being ready.
0: Okay. Okay, great. (laughs) Switching gears a little bit, you spent time, I think, at some of the best academies in Spain, clubs like Barcelona, Villarreal, and Valencia. What are the biggest differences between those academies and the development academies in California? And what do Spanish academies do especially well? And can it be replicated in the U.S.?
1: Uh, I, again, I think we're, what we fight against typically is culture. You know, I think you can't deny what's going on in terms of the culture of the game in our country. I mean, again, I think that's going to be our battle, which again, I, I think we underestimate how really young a soccer country we are, but certainly the training you can, you can watch how they train their players. You can watch the determination of these kids. You can watch, you know boys growing up when the history of the game is in their family uh, up to their grandparents. And, you know, their dream is to play for that team and they don't have, you know, all the other options that maybe we have here, um, you know, uh, in Spain, there's such a, such a history, but you know, the training, listen, I think we've all learned a lot from how the teams train. U S soccer has been, you know, sending their TAs. I'm not the only one to to overseas to, to, to track what they're doing there and, and watch the, training and And just the environment, but you know to me, I just think they're they're engrossed in a soccer culture. It's very hard for us to replicate that, but yet you know to me when someday when the m l s cup finals being played and none of our leagues are playing uh because everyone wants to watch that final, I think that's going to be the day that we've progressed to a point where all soccer players are die hard trying to get into a first team and get into a professional team and train in that manner, but yeah you know, we, we have to work hard to replicate the environment more than for me than just the training, because the training, you know, listen, guys are on YouTube now watching training from, from every, you know, top team in the, in the world. I used to watch live training when Landon Donovan and, and uh, Jurgen Klinsmann guys were training at Bayern Munich. I, I could watch them training live. Um, so you can get a lot of really? information from watching. Oh, oh yeah. Watching all these things. But Uh, but the environment part is the difficult part. And that's where, you know, my job here too, is to make sure it stays extremely competitive. You know, we're bringing in new players on trial every week in our academy. You know, we're setting more really specific personal goals for each player. We're, we are trying to not just make it hard, but make it serious in a way that they know, uh, we're not going to be satisfied with just showing up and training uh like you would with a you know with a recreational club i mean this is a competitive environment so our job is to make it harder so we often play two and you know one and two years up we play friendlies outside of the development academy all the time against top teams all types of teams older than ours so our players face a lot of competitive situations i think more than probably most which is it's another filter. Also, uh, Mm -hmm. players are going to be able to keep up with that and also enjoy that, uh, or they're going to struggle with it. And to me, those are players that may not be suited to be professional. So we, we add challenges and, and I think that's one of the things that we all have to do because, uh, it automatically isn't happening here in terms of the, the competitiveness and the, diehardness of players wanting to be at that next level. So that's our job. I think environment is as important as the training.
0: Yeah, totally. Totally makes sense. Yeah. What's the, maybe that, that's the answer to this, but uh, what's the most important part of developing kids into pros and what's not as important as people think it is?
1: Well, I, I think we're learning more and more, especially in our club that, you know, athleticism is a piece. You know, but intelligence becomes a huge deciding factor, and the de- solid intelligence meaning decision making and you know managing pressure and uh, knowing how to gauge how you defend. You know, and I think I think those for us are starting to be you know even bigger deciding factors. We love you know obviously we have a lot of great athletes in the U.S., but I think now we're you know we're looking at it in that way too. It's like when we're scouting you know, what kind of decisions they make, how is their first touch? Of course, there's a certain amount of athleticism you need, but I think we've overplayed that uh, in the past. And now I think, especially, you know, again, I like that in our first team in our academy. Now that we are looking at quite a few other uh, qualities versus just athleticism before, I think it was people would go out and see a kid that's running past everybody or who's dominating the field. And now, you know, we're looking to see what he does with the ball, the decisions he makes. And, and, you know, so I, I would say decision-making and mentality have, are starting now. Technical ability has got to be there, of course, but over just pure athleticism, I think we're seeing that those qualities are, are where we're focusing more than before. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah.
0: The, uh, the U15 team, as I kind of mentioned at the top of the show, was very successful last year, um, had the most wins in the age group. How important are results? And what's your philosophy on that sort of results development dilemma, I guess I'll call it.
1: Well, I mean, for me, it's not really a dilemma because we, you know, and again, I can speak about our program. I mean, it's, it's a player development program. It's not a team development program. Now it's easy for me to say, because I think also we have a lot of talent here. And I think there's, you know, without question, we work very hard on developing the player. Uh, those players combined together are going to win a lot of games and they have, but I, I never have yet come to my staff and said, Hey, you guys need to win the league or you need to win this tournament or you need to, you know, win a match. It's really all about every week what we're talking about is how the players are performing. We have, you know, a, a, certainly we have the way we'd like to play style of play principles, you know, competitiveness is a part of that and wanting to win and be successful is a part of that but that's not what we're discussing every week yet of course we you know all are naturally uh coaching at this level or working at this level because we are competitive but that is not the goal uh is team development it's 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 for a youth academy it's player development so yeah. you know to me that's not a it's not our dilemma right now um of course i'm sure you know bob is our team is playing in a certain way but also listen ownership will like to see them succeed playing that way and of course we we as well but no that is not what we talk about um hmm. we love to win we love to win and we do not like to lose but that's not the discussion on monday after the matches it's about the players and how each guy performed and what could we do with them this week this month the rest of the year to help them develop further but we have so you know, I'll say plenty of talent that those players put together in a match are gonna win plenty. Yeah, right.
0: How do you assess that's you-
1: more of our that's that's more of our concern. Last year we like you mentioned, we won so many games and, and guess what? This year we're playing them all up a year so that they will not win every game. Right. Right, right.
0: So how do you assess your coaches, your academy coaches? What are the what are the benchmarks for success?
1: Yeah, it's it's Again, it's based on player development, and it's um, you know how many players do we retain, how many players can play up a year. Uh, we do we do have a, an IDP, an individual development plan for every player. So we rate the players at the beginning of the year, reassess the middle of the year, and do a final assessment at the end of the year. So for me, that is where I look at how whether our coaches are succeeding or not. If we're seeing improvement in their in their individual plans. Um, and guys that are getting opportunities, like I said, to play, we have a discussion on who will play up every week. And so that's uh, a marker for some of our, our staff also to see how many guys can you put up a year and then be sec- successful playing a year up. Um, you know, so there, you know, there the criteria and how we evaluate the staff is based on the improvement of a player.
0: Hmm. Okay. What, what type of continuous education do you, do you require from your, coaches just like keeping their well, licenses up essentially.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's part of it, but of course, like I said, we're so fortunate we have a natural, you know, teacher right in front of us all the time with our first team. And, you know, I, again, that's, that's something I look for in hiring. It's, you know, obviously they U S soccer and the development Academy is requiring a certain amount of licensing, but that's just one criteria. I mean, I am really looking for guys that are hungry, uh, to keep learning and, and gain more knowledge. And of course, just what they can get from us will be the beginning, being our own staff, myself or you know Enrique Duran, who we have our experience, guys that are hungry to, to take anything they can get from us to begin with. And then that's step one. And then it's guys that want to see what our first team is doing. And then it's, you know, seeing which guys are, are getting their work done so they can sit down and make sure they watch a Champions League game so we can talk about that afterward. And then, you know, I've had guys that have asked uh, within the staff saying, hey, you know, I want to study some more. Is there something you guys can recommend? And we have, you know, we do have some partnerships developing with with, uh, LAFC now. So I think you'll see some trips of our staff uh, going and and seeing how some other clubs work. I mean, uh, again, we've signed two guys from Peneral. So, you know, I think you won't be surprised to see some of our staff down there to see what the magic is going on in their academy to, you know, a guy like Diego Ross, Diego Rossi, or Brian Rodriguez now can play in our first team at 19, 20 years old. There's something amazing going on there and it may just be environment as well, but you no, know, we, we promote it. And, um, you know, we give guys time off if they need it. Uh, we have a couple of our staff working in the national teams too. Um, uh, our goalkeeper coach particularly has been, been taking quite a few trips with, uh, with the US youth national teams and so we make time for that as well. But again, we're looking for guys that are hungry and, you know, seek it out themselves as well. But as a club we'll start doing some things outside of the country. But right now I think there's there's a lot going on just inside our, our buildings.
0: I wanna go back to those ninety those ninety league presidents who visited. And mm-hmm. uh, I wonder what the response was. Like had they been I mean, was there any sense in which they had been neglected up to that point and hadn't been reached out to in that way by anybody else?
1: Well, I would, you know, without being negative uh, or overly negative, their their con- biggest concern to me was people coming into their league and just approaching players and, you know, in essence taking the players into their you know their youth club or their academy without even comment. And, uh, you know, they want to, like I said, the, the, the least we can do is give them credit for providing a place for these guys to play. You know, some, some of the, you know, unaffiliates have exceptional coaches that you know, are unpaid guys that are given their heart and soul to help these kids play. And some of them are just neighborhood boys. And uh, that, I think that was the thing that bothered them the most that the people would just come in, talk directly to the player, you know, kind of remove them from their league and never say a word. And, um, yeah. you know, to me that was, you know, that was important to hear. I mean, I also know sometimes there's a, a thought that, you know, when an Academy or a club approach a player that the, you know, they're protective and they don't want him to leave and they try to keep him there longer. But I have not found that so far because of the way, you know, we had an open approach to them. We said, listen, we'll call you first and, uh, we hope you'll, you know, you'll you know get behind this, this boy to, to come have an opportunity with us. There's also not a guarantee just because we identify them. So they may be back. We hope you'll take them back with open arms. It's like, yeah, that can be part of the process too. Not everyone makes it. Um, But, you know, because I think we opened the door and we had this conversation, we did an event was clearly going to be recruiting and IDing players. And there was no question. they, They were, we had them put together a selection team for their age, for an age group. So they sent their best. It was like, let's show you what we have in our league. And let's see if MLS—it's almost the trophy—was does MLS pick or does LAFC pick one of our players? And that ought to be the goal. But I think because of the way some of the scouting recruiting was done before, they were they were burned by that process. So uh, that was the biggest thing they mentioned. They just didn't like people coming in, you know, out of nowhere and just you know going straight to the parents and the player. And next thing you know, they never see them again. And all, all they could really ask for is to get some some credit and some respect for it. And we made an effort, you know, even with the the clubs that players came from, you know they are we had them all make sure there was a, a gracious thank you last year, we did videos on Instagram where each player, a new player, came on and said thank you to their former coach, their former club, hmm. you know just to make sure they know we are aware of where this boy began his development
0: man a little a little respect does go a long way, doesn't it
1: really it did I'm telling you it still it still is, and so You know, and I, listen, I worked in a youth, you know, youth club for quite a few years. The LA Galaxy South Bay was a club that I developed and um, was a pretty, you know, was a pretty large club at that time. And so I was going through that process, too. I, one of the first Galaxy teams that were formed was kind of players that came from my club. So I've been there, too, where people are coming in and recruiting. And, you know, I, uh, you know, fortunately, I was a player myself. I, I wanted to see that these boys got opportunities and my club was very close to the galaxy and made every bit of sense that if they were good enough that they should play there but mm-hmm. it's uh you know in doing it right that should be recognized
0: how much how much do you recruit well let me ask this these these independent leagues my understanding is they're mostly uh latino leagues right is that mm-hmm. okay and i just don't want to take yeah i would grand. i
1: would say i would you know i would say mostly but we're you know, we're making an effort to be like the first team and like the club's mantras. I mean, we've gone into almost all the communities and in the leagues themselves, you know, again, it's you know, like I said, people, you can differentiate some of the leagues by whether they're, you know, being run by someone that's, you know, from El Salvador or someone that's from Mexico or someone's from Honduras. I and mean, we have kids from all those different communities too. So, it's, it's Hispanic leagues, but mostly. Uh, but we're also now gotten real connected to uh, the Black and African groups in LA as well. We, I, I feel we probably have more, you know, the Black players in our academy than, than, than most that I've seen. And some of them are Islanders. Some of them are, you know, kids that were born here. Their parents were, you know, in, in American sports growing up. And we, we have such a variety that. You know, we're not we're paying attention to that. We're we're going to be involved in a clinic coming up that's going to be very much in the black community. Um But hmm. I, like I said, you know, purposely want to make sure again, it's, it's awesome. It's not just to. To say we have one, but if there's talent and, you know, the Japanese community, the Korean community here, you know, is is it's a it's a little bit more under the radar where the Hispanic leagues are on every corner that there is a field to play on right. where, you know, some of the others, Japanese, Korean, even the African uh, groups and, and black groups are a little bit lower under the radar. So we got to seek it out. But, you know, I, you know, I don't sleep at night cause I don't want to miss talent, you know? And uh, so we're still working in all those areas too, to, to broaden it a little more, but Hispanic population is so massive and, and so clearly soccer mad that it's easy for us to find. Right.
0: How much do you recruit directly against the galaxy, and how does that typically go?
1: You know, so far I haven't really, you know, I don't really feel that kind of um, competition yet. You know, we're we're out there doing our thing. I think we came out, you know, uh, with all guns blaring at the beginning, to, to to find talent and put our teams together. And I think it's going to be a healthy competition. But I, so far. I feel like they were obviously very established in, in where they were with their teams. We were coming in brand new. Um, I didn't feel like that was, you know, what, what it was about competing with them. I think it will become more like that, but I think as we become more established, but so far, um, yeah, you'll, you'll, you know, I'll hear about it from kids that were scouting that, Hey, you know, galaxy interested as well and that's all great. But, you know, I think we feel, with the way we're trying to play, um, our staff, other things that, you know, our profile will be a little different than theirs. So I think that come time, we'll be looking for a little different player.
0: Hmm. What are the plans for introducing a U-19 team? Is that, uh, is that going to happen, I guess, like two years from now or?
1: Well, it's been a natural progression, so you know we've added a team every year, and mm-hmm. so that's you know currently my expectation is that we'll be doing that again. i mean, it hasn't been confirmed by the club, but you know we're we're planning for that obviously with our we have an o four group uh it would be quite a jump to move into uh under nineteen yeah. but uh we do have a couple very talented two thousand and threes on our radar and are obviously very aware and could put together an amazing team pretty quickly but you know, I'm ready. If the club is ready for next year, then uh, I'm ready to put together a group that's going to play at that level. But, uh, you know, right now the focus is obviously on this 0-4 and a couple of the o 3s that we've brought in. But um, it's a natural progression. And, you know, everyone asks a lot about USL as well. It's like at some point, you know, to have all the tools, which would be, you know, under under 11 right now to under 19 and a USL team would be the ideal scenario for us to have every tool to develop a player that's ready for the first team. So, you know, we've seen it progress year by year so far, which has been a nice steady, uh, steady progress. So yeah, my expectation we'll keep making another step forward each year. Um, but we'll see as we get closer to the new year, whether that's going to be hundred percent of the plans. Right.
0: Okay. How do you instill a culture of, you know, play for LAFC until I'm ready for a jump? To a top five league in Europe, rather than just uh, this, like get to Europe as soon as possible. That seems at least somewhat prevalent among you know talented young players in in this country. I mean, uh, just across town, uh, Alex Mendez and Ulianes left the Galaxy without you know ever signing a deal, and there are, you know there are plenty of other examples. Uh, Brian Ko at DC United is now at Orange County. Right. How do you um. Does the question make sense?
1: <laughs> no, it does, it does. But I also, you know, and we've had these conversations inside our office and, and you know, John Thorrington signed with Man United at 18. And um, I signed a professional contract at 18 here in, in LA. And, you know, we have guys with experience with growing up as, as you know, supposed top youth players. I, I think, you know, and the galaxy might even say this now, I think, you know, Alex and Uli, who were also, there were guys that were in my training centers during that time. Also, uh, um, Frankie Amaya, you know, there were, Julian Arejo was actually in my training centers with a guy we, we we found through, you know, our scouting and youth national teams when I was RTA on the West. Mm-hmm. Taylor Booth actually was a guy that was new into the national teams during that period. So I got to see a lot of these guys too who are now signing and considered overseas. But I I think the Galaxy would probably tell you that, you know, maybe the decision to sign them was where they missed a little bit versus just the player's ambition. I think those boys were uh, wanting to play for Galaxy. I think, you know, the decision to sign them may have been what what was missed. Um, I think, you know, many people thought they had the talent, um, but for whatever reason or... Again, I'm, you know, I'm not on the inside. It could be the type of offer they're getting that they feel is, makes sense for them to sign. Um, but again, I think that's, to me, being sure and making that assessment that they're capable and ready to play for our professional team, we need to make the move in time. Uh, and I think we're staying very closely aware of that. But you know, we also, and John said it, goes, we hope we develop a player that could play in a top a top team in Europe. Of course, we'd love for them to continue to develop with us first and then make that move when they're 100% mature enough and ready. Uh, but part of the goal is also to develop a guy that can play at that that level, our level and that level eventually. So, uh, But of course, like I said, we, we don't want to miss out on the continued development, a chance for them to put some time into our program before um but I think we have to be very clear on our assessment, and uh if the time is right, make a clear decision that yes, this is a player we can play for our first game, and we're going to sign him, or in some cases you know they if they you know decide to leave um it's understood that they weren't players that we chose for our first team level, so I think the assessment part is super important, and we need to be very clear on 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 that and um and be intentional about you know. Really being sure we keep them or if there are better opportunities uh, for them elsewhere and they don't suit our club, which may sound crazy because people think well, automatically, you know, if they could play someone in Europe, they they must be good enough for an MLS team. Well, I, I don't necessarily think that's always true. I do think there's quite a push uh, in Germany, particularly, you know, coming in and, and picking up players that they feel have the potential to play over there and they're will, willing to make the investment. Um, but I think you'll see as time goes that, you know, there there may be a case where we're not interested in signing a boy and he finds his way overseas. That's that's all fair. But we need to be very clear on assessment, so nobody, you know, as, as we say, gets away before we have that opportunity with them. And I think enough's happened now. You know, FC Dallas, RSL, I think have have seen some players leave uh, that they may have wanted to sign, um, but made the move. Uh maybe based on that, I think most of them would have signed for their MLS team.
0: Yeah. Had the move been made more decisively
1: by the club, essentially. That's my opinion that's my opinion, but I don't sit in their seat either, so I'm I'm not judging. We're now just getting to that moment ourselves. Right. Right.
0: How has the have the Mexican and US soccer federations been by and announced themselves to you?
1: Um Yeah. Yeah. Yes, they have. Now, we it, when I first started, um, you know, Juan Carlos Ortega, who's now the uh, uh, involved with LA Galaxy, was in charge of the the youth in in Mexico. We had uh, meetings. He came and watched our teams. So our, one of our goalkeepers was in every camp last year for the 2004 group in Mexico, uh, Donovan Palmares, and um, you know now one of the the newer people in their organization has has been in to meet us. Uh, and now they've made it very clear. They're focusing very hard on the U S and they plan to do some, uh, training centers and some, some, uh, ID camps in the U S um, you y- know, we Yikes. When, yeah. Well, one's One's going on right now in uh, the inland area in, uh, in Southern California.
0: So who's been more aggressive
1: USSF or, uh, at the FMF? I've had more contact with, U uh, S soccer. I mean, we have, a, you know, a, I I guess he's called the player ID manager in the uh, Southwest Henry Bronner, who's we talk to regularly and we're in regular communication. Um, you know, we, we want players to play for a national team and obviously us has been the easy, easiest to access. But you no, know, again, we had a meeting with, uh, with the FMF a month ago. Um, kind of them telling us their intentions, the, the youth aspect. And, um, you know, for me, the the goal is to have as many of our players as possible playing internationally. That's an experience. And when I was a TA, it was interesting. There were some clubs, it was difficult to convince them that, you know, there's nothing for a player than putting on a national team jersey and playing against another country for an experience that you as a academy cannot give them. Um, so, so international experience, the pride of playing for your country. There are certain things that, you know, again, I nothing to speak negatively about a academy, but you cannot produce that. So, you know, that's a goal of mine also to make sure they're being seen and evaluated and hopefully chosen, even if it's like playing in a CONCACAF event or just representing them in a friendly, you know, we're looking to do that. But US we've had the most access to, obviously the the FMF has made it made it clear that they're around and they they know what we've done so far in MLS academies and that they'll be watching and that they're going to be putting on some events here in the U.S.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's all, there's obviously quite a good connection with the galaxy too right now as well, because of, you know, Dennis DeCloso used to be the uh, technical director for the entire federation.
1: So. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now we're, I, uh, yeah, I'm trying to be mindful of that as well that, you know, with the Hispanic population here in LA that, that can be an exceptional recruiting tool also to be that connected to the FMF and and be able to get players a chance uh, in Mexico if they're not getting a chance here. So I'm aware of that same reason why we want to stay very connected with the FMF also and make sure we've provided all opportunities to our guys. Uh, But we're aware.
0: Yeah. Okay. Just a couple more questions. Thanks for all this time. Um, How is... How do you think the the d a overall is doing i mean you talked about the you talked about some of the extra things you guys do to bring your to put put your kids in tougher situations and give them higher levels of competition let them play for national teams but how's the level of competition within the d a like is it good enough
1: yeah i i mean the d a for me has been is has been a great place for us to to work on developing our players and i and i've said this a couple of times to other people that have been a little more critical of the DA. Listen, the DA is, is a tool for us to develop players. Now, age groups are age groups. If I want a tougher game for my players, then we're playing kids up. Uh, the teams we play against are challenging and, you know, they uh, have got good coaching and there are certain standards that U.S. soccer is asking from them. So I know we're going to get a good match. Now, I need to evaluate the level of the club that we're playing against and say, okay, is this the right game for a true age group game? Last year, we sent an entire younger group to play against a club because we felt like that was going to be the right game. Uh, no insult to the other club, but the league is organized. You know, it's, it's been consistent for us. We have to choose how we want to use the league and the age groups. Now, I'm happy to see this year that, um, you know, they've created another competition, what they're calling the DA Cup, that has uh, put more of the top clubs in a bracket to play each other um so that we do get matches against mostly or more the top level ones obviously MLS group but also academies that have shown uh they can compete with the, the MLS groups so you know they are making an effort i see that i was in on those conversations a couple of years ago trying to figure what's the best way moving forward you know does MLS have its own bracket do we you know tier the group so the top groups are playing against each other uh not losing the integrity of the league you know and maybe some clubs saying hey we we're in the league because we want to play the top teams. Well, I think it's a good idea to make them also realize they need to compete at the high level if they want to play against the highest level teams in the DA as well. So, it's improved with uh, DA Cup. And again, I see our 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 job is to make sure we're using the league in the best way possible, and that will certainly probably be for us playing a lot more players up. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: All right. Well, I'll just end with a request. You know, when when you do get that U nineteen team up and running. <laughs> Uh, you guys should stream the LAFC Galaxy U19 matches on YouTube. I'll
1: oh you. man, that, it, they, listen, they've been you know barn burner competitive matches from the beginning. Our first U12 match we ever had with them, uh, the beginning of the 3252 was there with drums and singing and oh, nice. smoke and just short of lighting a, a bonfire during the match. So no, they will be. This is it's such a great thing for la but it it has become even on the youth side one of the best darby's classicals uh i think in the u.s now so we would love that too the boys uh they can't wait for those games so Uh, and i'm sure same for same for galaxy so it'll be we'll try to do it justice uh like the first team matches have been even though haven't always turned out perfect for us but man who couldn't watch that who didn't want to watch that game
0: most entertaining games all year that's yeah for sure Anything, exactly, you, so. anything you wish I would have asked you or something you'd no, wish I mean, you brought up?
1: No, I mean, not necessarily. The only thing I, I would probably add to all of this is I think what I'm noticing is there's a lot of critique going on of whether it be MLS, whether it be U.S. soccer, the DA, you know, I, my objective is, you know, if 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 we're insulting those things, then you're insulting me. And that's not in a negative way. Or you're... Critiquing me, so my attitude is: listen, I'm involved in this game at a high level. It's my job to improve the things that we all critique, and I could spend a lot of time blogging negatively. But for me, it's our job, and all of us, to keep improving the game here. And uh, whether that's trying us trying to develop a player that can, you know, play overseas or play for our national teams at a high level, I feel that responsibility. And I think you know more of us maybe should do that versus just critiquing. know, how are U.S. soccer is operating? Listen, I'm on the ground every single day with a staff, with a great group of players, uh, in a great club. And so, you know, just keep working at it. I feel that's our responsibility. I I just feel like often we're, it's easy to to criticize. Uh, And maybe this is, you know, I've been around, you know, I played in the first Youth World Cup that the U.S. ever qualified for uh, a long time ago in 1981. So I've seen a lot of it. But that's a choice, you know, I want to keep progressing this and I don't want to waste my time on being critical of everything because I'm a part of that too. So that's just my personal statement.
0: No, that's a good reminder. It's a good reminder. I think I can slip into being too critical sometimes too. And I never played in a Youth World Cup, so.
1: (laughs) No worries. Um,
0: Well, thank you so much for your time, Todd. I I really appreciate it. It's, It's fascinating to hear what you guys are up to and we'll all, we'll all be watching
1: thanks a lot adam i appreciate it